Welcome to Governmental Astrology. I'm Linda Rowe. This episode that I'm doing right now is strongly connected to the episode that I just did on the Mars retrograde in Aries. And I'm connecting this episode to that one um, because, well, I thought about pulling that episode down and redoing it, but um, what I have to say now is actually very different from what I said yesterday. So I'm going to, I'm adding this on to that one. Um, by now we are a day or so into the Mars retrograde in Aries, and I still feel that Mars retrograde in Aries is sort of an oxymoron. Both Mars and Aries have a sort of charging ahead type of action. And yes, you can reflect on how you charge forward, but reflecting is not an energy of either Mars or Aries. And so this Mars retrograde in Aries is actually going backwards. And it's not really going backwards either. It's, it's, it means that we're going in a different direction than we think we're going. So it's, um, it's, it's kind of, it's going to be um, disorienting and confusing. And of course, um, this direction that we're actually headed in, it's not new to head in this direction. It's just that we're going to be seeing where we're headed. And it's just going to seem to us that it's a new direction. We're all going to experience knowing that this direction that we're headed in is not the direction that we thought we were headed in. As I mentioned in the last episode, Aries is an ember as much as Aries is a spark. And I suspect what we're going to be seeing is that is the embers that are lying around hidden by Beneath a pile of leaves or maybe 12 inches of snow, um, these embers are going to burst forth into a full-fledged fire once again. And I spoke in the last episode about the fleecing of the sacred masculine. The sacred masculine is an energy that is so hidden to us that we have tremendous difficulty trying to describe it. Um, I know that each of us has experienced the sacred masculine, however, even if only for a moment at a time. And so we do know when we see it. We know it when we see it. Um, the sacred masculine is, however, hidden from us, and it is restrained. Sadly, though this Aries is the energy of the ember, I'm not feeling as if it's the time quite yet for the sacred masculine to really uh, roar forth. But the embers that we will be experiencing at this time are, are, they're really actually terrible energies, painful energies and destructive energies. These embers that we will be experiencing at this time are fires that we did not put out in the past. Rather, we moved on and left them burning, thinking that they would go out on their own. And so the, this, this Aries as the fleecing of the ram. Uh, when the sacred masculine is being fleeced, we all pay the price. Uh, we all pay the price, but an unseen force gets rich all the while. We keep getting poorer. Mars 
is the energy of the vanquished male. It is the energy of protection. But it was protection that was overrun by an invading force. We say that Mars is the god of war, but only because we were forced to see the conquerors as a god. And so this god of war is not our god, and we can let him go. Fashioning the sacred masculine into the image of another made the, the sacred masculine sort of into a dark energy, something that we can't see and we don't understand. And when your sacred nature is hidden and locked away, you can forget about it. You can begin to believe that what others say about you and about your sacred nature is true. Human society built itself up around this energy of penetration and protecting ourselves from penetration. Um, penetration accomplishes several things. It allows a man to enter where he has no permission to enter. All a man has to do is penetrate, and he has access to whatever he wants. So many things are possible when you can enter and do whatever you want to. And because we live in a monetized society, the ability to penetrate became monetized. And so we now pay people to penetrate new markets, our business people. Um, we pay our talking heads that have penetrating analysis. We pay our sports teams and their coaches to have penetrating offenses. And we feel that we deserve money whenever we, our insight gives us a new breakthrough. Uh, our bosses tend to ream people when they become angry and we pay our bosses quite a bit to ream people. And sex is a big market as well. And as I mentioned in the last episode, sex is all about penetration. But penetration requires that somebody is injured in this uh, relationship. Uh, even if only slightly, uh, you can't penetrate something without injuring it. And so it's a strange thing to build a society upon. It's a strange way to build a society. It's weird that we give people money to hurt others. Um, I, I guess what I would rather concentrate on during this moment as we are going into this retrograde, um, that we can be concentrating on the sacred masculine, uh, the fleecing of the sacred masculine, rather. Let's look at the penetration from a different angle and look at it as... Uh, the fleecing of the sacred masculine. Where, where is the sacred masculine being emptied out and tossed aside? Where is someone trying to make a profit on someone else's demise? And this is the story of Aries, and it's where the astrological story begins. As I mentioned yesterday, the United States is being fleeced right now. We are being fleeced by our president and his entire administration. He is taking us for everything that we have. And we will have 
very little left by the time we manage to get him out of office. This is the pattern with totalitarians. To a lesser extent, it is the pattern with authoritarianism in general. Uh, and you can just say that totalitarians are bigger and stronger uh, versions of authoritarians. Scientists have a name for this type of relationship. When fleecing is a part of the relationship, the relationship is parasitic. And when you have a totalitarian in charge, all the energy in the system is under co the control of the totalitarian. The flow of energy in a totalitarian regime is always towards the top. As I look at this man who calls himself president, I see someone who is conjuring up ancient energies. He is stirring things up, blowing air on embers. He is engaged in sorcery. And one of the ways that he's stirring things up is to use conspiracy theories, as I mentioned. Uh, conspiracy theories have been gaining steam over the last several years, and from reports, the people who are engaged in these conspiracy theories are really enjoying themselves. It's sort of a game to them. Um, however, the United States being a new country is relatively new to conspiracy theories. For us, conspiracy theories have always been about an examination of something that has happened in the past. Um, who killed President Kennedy? Um, did the astronauts really land on the moon? Our young people have been talking about 9-11 as a conspiracy theory for years, and many adults have no idea about this. Um, I've also heard uh, our young people talking about a conspiracy theory about dolphins who have raped women. It's all sort of incredible. Anyway, um, it is important to note that in the United States, um, not only have the conspiracy theories been about past events, but we engage with uh, conspiracy theories as individuals. We've never engaged as a group with a conspiracy theory. So the effect that conspiracy theories have had on the United States has always been minimal, since it's only been individuals that have been playing around with this. Um, but we never really looked at conspiracy theories as a sort of training ground uh, for the more potent versions of these. Um, and this is what we're going to be seeing, a more potent version of a conspiracy theory. A conspiracy theory that society interacts with as a whole, that the group interacts with. Um, this is a much more potent version of conspiracy theories, which the actual word of conspiracy theories and the reason that we're not recognizing them as such is that we've never used this word before. It's a new word. It's a new concept. But the actual entity is not new at all. Um, this actual energy is ancient, ancient, ancient. And as Donald Trump calls it up into the present, 
that is exactly what will be happening. We will be playing with something that is alive. Um, before I describe this new conspiracy theory, which is not new, but rather very old, I want to review what a conspiracy theory is. And, and, and this is both the old and the new version. The conspiracy theory is a maze. And astrology tells the tale of this maze. Astrology tells the tale of the maze, the minotaur, and the string. Remember, the minotaur was a half-wild, half-human individual. I got this off of Wikipedia. Um, he is a half-wild, half-human individual. I want to describe him as I wish to describe him, which is really a half-free, half-captive uh, individual. Um, but his stepfather, King Minos, described him as violent and then locked him away in a maze that he had constructed underground. Uh, my understanding is that the maze was constructed underneath the city. And though the Minotaur was said to be locked away, the only locking mechanism for the Minotaur was to keep him happy with regular sacrifices of young people. I'm sort of assuming that since we never really saw the Minotaur actually eating the sacrifice of young people, that King Minos was the one that was using the sacrifices. But that's never really said. It is intimated in the story, however. Um, so it was a locking mechanism for keeping people out, but it also kept people in. So anybody that went inside the maze was trapped. They could not find their way back out again. Um, no word is given in the story about how all of this worked. We're not told how the maze was constructed, nor what it was made of. And the only thing that we know about the maze comes from the words of the power structure. King Minos is the only one who speaks in this story. And this is extremely important to realize. When your power structure is the only one who's speaking about a certain event, um, can you believe the what he's saying? And I guess you can if you want to, but you don't have to. That's as for certain sure you do not have to believe what King Minos said about the Minotaur. Um, if you look at the story, the way that the maze is presented to us, it's as a sales job. Um, and when you look at the story, you see that Theseus suspected that the maze was really a big pile of poo, and as it turns out, others did too. Theseus receives instruction from someone, a woman of some, I think she's either the daughter of, of King Minos or she's the daughter of um, Icarus, um, not Icarus, but um, Daedalus, the guy that made the, the, uh, the maze. So Theseus re receives instruction from this woman, and she tells him to bring a string with him into the maze. 
and the string told Theseus where he had come from. And when he knew where he had come from, the maze lost its power, and the story was over. This mythology tells us that the walls of the maze are really made of belief, and the stronger that you believe in the walls, the more they imprison you. But if you never believe in the walls, and Theseus didn't because he was always in contact with where he had come from, the power of the maze is diminished. So from here, I want to switch the story just a little bit. And remember, I said yesterday that I had a conversation with an astrologer uh, who told me that he didn't believe in evil. And this is incredibly important. The astrologer said that he didn't believe in evil. So when he encounters tremendous evil, uh, he's going to react the only way that he knows how. And that will be to believe in the evil. A different way to react to evil is to know where you are in the presence of it. I know you. I've been here before. You are evil. The only way to really react to evil energy is to put a stop to it. If you believe in the evil, then you enter into the evil energy, and you don't want to enter the evil structure. It's much better to stay outside the structure. All right. So, these conspiracy theories, they they act because, remember, uh, penetration is a major action. The conspiracy theories poke holes in reality. So when you enter into a conspiracy theory, the conspiracy theory is poking holes in your sense of reality. Um, remember this word reality. It's, it's not a real word. Um, we think that we're living in reality. So when the conspiracy theory pokes holes in your sense of reality, um, you have no idea what to do, and you're immediately trapped. You just lost confidence in your own sense of reality, your own sense to tell what is real and not real, and this traps you. When you are shown that you're wrong, uh, when you are able to believe, well, when you're shown that you're wrong and that your reality has been poked holes into, it allows you to believe um, the, the theory, this, the, the conspiracy theory. You enter into the conspiracy theory in a new way. Um, you have confidence in what, the theory, in what the theory is telling you. Since what you were telling yourself has been proven false, you have confidence in what someone else is telling you. And as soon as that starts to happen, you begin to listen to the walls of the maze. And the walls of the maze talk to you. And you can believe that the walls of the maze are never going to be showing you how to get out of the prison. And this just acts to trap you all the more. Why would a power structure want to trap you inside a prison structure? 
Uh, well, let's look at what we do to animals when we run them into a corral. We run animals into a corral and we don't want to let them back out again. Why? Because it's easier to control the animal once it's trapped. And why do we want to control animals? To eat them. We use the animal's bodies after we've killed them for our own purposes. And this is why we are being trapped as well. Remember, uh, we're as domesticated as the animals that we eat. And there is no difference between what we are doing to others and what is being done to us. So here's the important part. Um, if the structure that you and I are trapped in is a structure of the past, which is what conspiracy theories have always been about, um, because we have the past, the present, and the future. If you're only trapped in the past, then you're only a third of the way inside the structure. Because you still have the present and the future that has not yet been trapped. But when that conspiracy theory moves from the past into the future, well now, you're two-thirds of the way inside the structure. And two-thirds is 67%, and that means that only 33% of you is not trapped. Okay, so let's imagine here for a moment, I'm 60 inches tall. If 67% of me is trapped, then um, 40, a little bit more than 40, 40 inches of me is trapped, and 20 inches of me are not trapped. So that means that I have 20 inches of me that are able to move somehow. But when you measure up my legs, 20 inches is only slightly above my knees. And if you've got controls of my control of my hips, then I can't do much with my knees. Um, so I, I'm even, I'm trapped essentially more than 67%. Do you understand that? If you look at it from the other side, 20, 20 inches down from the top of my head, it's below my shoulders. But if you've got my hands and my elbows trapped, then having my head and shoulders free doesn't do me much good in terms of trying to get free. Do you see how this works? If they can trap a part of you, they, ha they might have more than 67% of you. Um, and even so, 67% is a fairly substantial amount of you to be trapped. You can start seeing how you, you can be inside a structure and be able to not get out of it again. And that's what happens with these conspiracy theories. You, you never quite ever get back out of them. Um, okay, so I want to look right now at this conspiracy theory that Donald Trump is playing around with. Um, the word that comes out of this game that Donald Trump is playing uh, is cabal. And cabal, as he is using it, refers to um, a group of, I don't know, people, individuals, entities who are in charge of the world, who make all this the decisions. Um, this is an ancient, ancient story. It goes back well over 2,000 years, but for 2,000 years, this group of people that has been in charge have been referred to as the Jews. 
this story is that the Jews are trying to be in charge of the world. And this is a very strange thing. It's, um, I don't know, we, there's so many of us that this story comes way too easily to. Um, we don't really understand it. We just know it's true for those of us that believe in it. But if you look at the word cabal, there are other meanings of that word. Um, so I'm, uh, the word actually um, comes from a Hebrew stem, a root, uh, which would be kuf, bait, lamed. And it's a, a, a root that has a meaning of receiving something, of accepting something. So if you enter into this notion of cabal, what is it that you're receiving? What is it that you are accepting? Um, there's a very good idea that you are accepting the ties that bind. You are being bound up when you enter into this idea of the cabal. It's not the Jews that are tying you up, however. It's whoever's saying this word. Donald Trump is saying the word cabal because he's trying to tie you up. Um, cabal isn't even really a word in Hebrew, so they're just using this word. Uh, there's also another meaning of cabal, however, and it's kind of an interesting one. It's a hidden meaning um, in the word abracadabra. There's a an idea that cabal is in abracadabra. Harry Potter refers to this as well. In the magic incantation in the Harry Potter stories, uh, the abracadabra was an incantation of death. And that sounds about right to me. Um, after all, the power structure has been trying to eat the larger group for years. Remember, we are dealing with parasitism here. Abracadabra is saying, accept this bridle so that I can lead you to the market. And interestingly, Donald Trump has placed just enough Jews around him that you might think these Jews are somehow connected to the cabal. Um, and we've recently seen other Jews who've been engaged in nefarious activities. Um, Donald Trump is about to bring anti-Semitism in a very real way to the United States. And this is an anti-Semitism that we've never experienced here. And there is something else behind Donald Trump's sorcery, however. Uh, Donald Trump is doing all of this to cover something up. Um, something that he does not want us to see. And if you use belief to interact with Donald Trump, you're not going to be able to see what it is that he's hiding. Uh, if you use belief to interact with Donald Trump, you're only going to enter into the dungeon that is anti-Semitism. I spoke yesterday about the shield of Medusa. And Medusa is even older than anti-Semitism. And it's as I mentioned, the same energy. It's it's an energy of, of blame, right? Um, 
women have accepted the blame for what's gone wrong uh, much longer than Jews have been accepting the blame. Medusa's probably, oh, who knows how old she is, 10,000 years. It's, it's very old. Uh, and right now, the person in the United States who most represents Medusa is Hillary Clinton. Um, Medusa is going to be present in this whole abracadabra thing that Donald Trump is playing with. And I can't imagine that he's going to try to put others into the pot, along with the Jews and along with Hillary Clinton. Um, because the bigger the fear, the more power he wields. Um, it's in a relationship. The more he can scare you, the more control he can have over you. So I'm betting that Muslims are going to be put into that pot and the refugees are going to be put in that pot. The people whose babies we imprisoned nearly four years ago. Uh, Black Lives Matter is going to be in there somehow. And all of the people who are protesting and what Donald Trump is saying is looting. They're all going to be in this pot that he's heating up, the cauldron, so to speak. But Medusa is here to tell us that this is a blame game, and there's a whole lot of blame going on. And so you don't have to believe the blame. You don't have to believe what you hear. What is the truth? The truth is that Donald Trump and his cronies are living off the country. They are parasitizing the people of the United States. And when they hold up the shield of Medusa and blame others for the evil, we can look directly at them. We can look directly at the shield, because the shield is not going to hurt us. Medusa is just a woman. She was a young woman. Now she's an old woman. Medusa is a grandmother. Uh, we know that the people inside the maze need a connection to the outside world. And so these people who are inside this conspiracy theory, believing the anti-Semitism and the anti uh, feminine and all of the anti-Muslim sentiments and anti-refugees and uh, racism that we have present in this country. All of those people who are trapped inside that belief. Uh, we can just grab a hold of that shield that Donald Trump is using. And instead of allowing him to use it as a shield, we can use it as a life preserver. We can throw it into the dungeon. And the people on the inside can grab a hold of it and will pull them to safety outside this structure. This blame game. It's a tired old game. Oh, I've got some. There's Caravaggio's painting of her. And there she is on a door trying to keep out unwanted visitors. Um, this blame game is a tired old game, so we don't need to enter into the game. It has nothing to offer us. The blame game has nothing to do with electing a new president. It has nothing to do with making sure that all of our people can participate in society. The blame game has nothing to do with making sure that all of the babies that we stole are returned to their parents. And the blame game has nothing to do with opening our doors to the outside world. 
This new energy, if we let the blame game pass right by us, uh, there's a new energy that's present. And that new energy is our, our new response to the situation. And that's where the sacred masculine can be waiting for us. Or so in need of it. The sacred masculine is really good at making connection with the outside world. And the sacred feminine? The sacred feminine is really good at letting things in. So I guess what I'm proposing is to allow our sacred masculine and our sacred feminine to unite. And together, we can really experience community. We can really experience strength in numbers. And we can really experience love. So this is the energy of the Mars retrograde in Aries. And if you need to call me, 720-608-0309. And my email address is governmentalastrology at gmail.com. As always, I'm glad you're here.